Zagbaruch, Rabotai, we continue the study of the Tariag Mitzvot, and today we're up to Mitzvah number 451, and that is the Mitzvah of Shechita, the positive commandment in Parashat Re'eh, the Pasuk says, Vezabachta, Mebekarecha, Omesonecha, continues the Pasuk, Ka'asher, Seviticha, that you shall uh, slaughter the uh, cattle and the sheep as I commanded you. It's Perik Yudbet, Pasuchaf Aleph. Only problem is, the Torah, in its Torah Shabbat, never commanded us on any of the laws of how to make Shechita. And from here we learn that there must be Halakha le Moshe Messinai. When it says, Moshe Rabbin was saying, like I told you orally at Har Sinai, that you must slaughter the Kane and the Veshet, which is the windpipe and the, uh, the esophagus. And I told you you have to slaughter the majority of the Simanim. And I also taught you the laws of Sakin, that you have to make sure that the knife is perfectly smooth. Uh, therefore, it's a very, very important lesson to learn that uh, nowhere in the Torah does it really tell us where Shechita is done. We don't know what's done from the neck or from the leg or from any other part of the body. It's only from Halacham Hashem from tradition. And that's what the Torah says, Ka'ashir Siviticha, like I commanded you elsewhere. However, the tradition is that while you need Shechita for Behemah, Hayah Ve'of, for animals, there is no shechita for fish. How do we know that? Because we have a pasuk that says, Im et kol hayam lahim. That when the Torah talks about fish, it says you just have to collect them. And the Torah doesn't make a difference how you collect them, whether they're alive or dead. Because even if you're dead in the water and you collect them, you can eat them. Furthermore, grasshoppers would not need shechita. We have a pasuk in Yeshaya that says, Osef hasil, Collect and gather the grasshoppers. Again, gather them, alive or dead. No shaita is necessary. Now, what would be the reason why the Torah would mandate that we need shaita in the way it does? The Rav reminds us how the Torah has an aversion against people eating the blood of the animal. The blood, actually, which is the uh, nefesh, which represents the physicality of the animal would give us a bad nature if we would eat it. That's why we have to salt the meat and get rid of the blood and drain it. And one of the ways of getting rid of the blood is slaughtering the animal in a place where the blood drains the fastest and the quickest. And that obviously would be at the, at the neck. And therefore, it's a, uh, it's a, it's a, it's the cause is of shaita, or the reason of shaita is to uh, minimize us from eating blood. Furthermore, the knife has to be checked very well where there's no pigimot, uh, there's no blemishes, and it's all smooth from beginning to end because we're not allowed to cause uh, excessive pain to the animal. Uh, and therefore, by making sure that the knife is very smooth, so the, the Rav's Lashon is over here, and that's an important word, which means People think that shaita is painless. But it might not be painless. I mean, shaita doesn't sound like it's painless. So they come along and say, ah, sara bala hayim. You're right. Maybe the bala hayim is going to some pain. But our job is that to minimize it, 
to the best as we can. The Torah allows us to use animals for our benefit. And when you're going to use them, uh, you have to make sure that you do it in the most uh, painless way, but not means that it's totally painless. Just that we cannot be mitzahedim, yoter midai. And if there's a way to uh, alleviate some of the pain, asur litzaharam hinam. You can't just cause them pain for no reason. Now, some of the mitzvot regarding shahita, which actually is masichet um, chulin over here in, uh, in review. There's basically four items that are major concerns when it comes to shahita. And we will list all four, and we will explain very briefly what they are. The first one is called shihiyah. Shihiyah means where there's a pause in the shihita, which means, let's say, uh, he started the shuhit, the slaughter, the slaughter of the animal, and he's slaughtering uh, uh, the esophagus, let's say, and before he was able to slaughter the majority of it, he stopped. And then he went back in order to, to complete it. If there's a stop in the process or break in the process, it's called shihiyah, that automatically renders the shihita pisula. But if let's say he's using a blunt knife, which he should, it's not a sharp knife, and he's just going back and forth the whole day, that's not called shihiyah, because he didn't stop, he's going back and forth, and the shihita would be kishira. The second concern is called Hadrasa. And hadrasa is that if somebody does shikita as he was cutting a pepper, which means when you cut a pepper, you have to actually press the knife into the vegetable in order to cut it. And shikita is supposed to be done just by moving the knife across without actually applying any pressure. If one applies the pressure, so then it is considered hadrasa. And then we have the third uh, item which is called haluda, and that is at the time that the person is slaughtering the shohet, the knife has to be revealed. You have to see the blade, the knife, and you're not allowed to. It's not allowed to be covered either by the hair of the animal, the wool, or you're not allowed to cover it by simanim. It has to be uh, uh, revealed at the time. And the fourth one is called uh, hagrama, and hagrama basically tells us the area where the shahita must be done. It's a specific spot. cannot be too high or too low from the spot based on whatever the Gemara tells us. And if it is, then already one has, has, has unfortunately made the animal a nevela. Now that's the four standard ones that they talk about. But the Rav reminds us there's the fifth item. And he says, Every shohet has to know and if he doesn't know this one, he basically is going to be feeding nevelot to everybody. And that is that when a person slaughters the animal, he must make sure that the kane and the veshet, the trachea, and the esophagus are intact, and they did not become akud. Akud means uprooted. Sometimes they, they detach from the, uh, from the place where they are, and if they detach in the majority... So therefore, even though you slaughtered them and you cut the kanan division, a shechita on a akura is not considered a shechita and therefore uh, it's considered a, a nevela. Ha-shochet b'simmanim akurim en ha-shechita uch'ilu shemeta ha-behema me'eleha. We look at it as if the animal just died on its own. Even though he used the knife to kill it. Doesn't matter. Since the simmanim akurim already were uprooted, so therefore it is a 
נבלה, וכל מי שאינו בקי בחמישה דברים אלו, ואני שוחט, that's not an expert on these five items, which is the עיקר of שחיטה, אסור לאכול משחיטתו. You're not allowed to eat from his, from his שחיטה. Now, another element, which is very important when it comes to this item, is checking the knife. And of course, the Gemara teaches us how exactly we have to be ma'amid sakin to make sure that it is uh, kosher for shechita. The laws of shechita apply in all places and all times, apply to male and female alike. Interestingly enough, halakha does allow females to be shochet, as long as they know the laws of shechita, there is no problem for them to be shochatim, or I guess shochatot. However, Ketanim, uh, even though from the halakha, if a katan, a minor, knows how to make shechita, we allow, no, we allow ketanim, so long as there's an adult supervising him uh, on top and watching. However, hachamim said we really shouldn't allow ketanim to be shochet because a lot of times they mess up more than they do it right, and this is going to be a big hefseh, it's going to cause a lot of loss of, uh, of money, because the shaita is not going to be good, so therefore not a good idea to allow them to do it. Now, if somebody ate from meat that was not carefully uh, slaughtered with the five items that we mentioned, uh, including Bidikata Sakin, he has transgressed this positive commandment, besides the fact that he has transgressed Lo Tochlu Kol Nevela. Let me explain what we said over here now. That means when a person eats something that was not slaughtered correctly, automatically, if it wasn't slaughtered correctly, the animal is called nevela. Now, nevela, in its classic interpretation, means the animal died. Meaning you didn't slaughter it at all. It died. But here, you slaughtered it. You just didn't slaughter it correctly. It's still called nevela. And therefore, if a person ate from meat that was not slaughtered correctly, there is a negative commandment of not called nevela. That's not this commandment. And then you would be hayab malkut if you ate a like any other that has a ma'aseh. However, here there's a positive commandment, which is interesting, that if a person eats some non-slaughtered uh, kosher animal, you have transgressed the positive commandment to slaughter correctly and eat. And if you didn't slaughter correctly and you ate it, the positive commandment of uh, the pasuk is, uh, is transgressed. And uh, uh, therefore, this uh, underscores how important we have to be when it comes to uh, kosher meat. And we have to know that we're eating from shohatim, that are exactly a bikiim, and we have to rely on the kashrut. This is not an easy thing, these laws over here, especially in the olden days, it was a little easier when people were doing one animal at a time, and there was no rush, and it wasn't mass market and business. So therefore, person slaughtered, and uh, he was able to do it slowly and properly. But today, where we have you know, a market, and it has to produce, and there's profits, so then already, unfortunately, anytime there's money involved, so then, uh, and profits are the motivation, then Hasbush Shalom, the halakha, can be compromised. Therefore, one has to be very, very careful when it comes to this kosher. Uh, it should be pointed out that even though, over here, the Torah says the punishment is malkut, we should point out, we're coming to the holiday of Purim, and in Megillat Estate, it said the reason why is because they were from the Su'udah of Otorashah. They benefited from the Su'udah. And that sounds like they benefited, meaning from things that were not kosher. It's hard to have a mashkiah in a kosher restaurant. Imagine the mashkiahim in the Hashvirosh's party. 
can only imagine uh, what type of things they were serving. And therefore, the question then is, for eating non-kosher, here it says the punishment is, at worst, malkut. And there it became genocide. Where do we see that eating non-kosher can lead to actually death penalty? The Gemara Hulin asks, Haman min torah minayin. Where is Haman's name hinted in the Torah? As if it's not enough, his name's mentioned so many times in Megillat Esther, we're trying to find him in the Torah. Well, the Gemara says, he's right in the beginning of the Torah when it says, Adam and Rishon ate from the tree, from Etzadat. And the Kadosh Baruch Hu came to Adam right away and rebuked him and said, Hamin ha'etz. And the Gemara says, Hamin. Hamin is the same letters as Haman. And the question is, what's the Gemara doing over here? The Gemara is not satisfied with all the Hamans that are written in Megillat Esther. So you found a quasi remis to Haman from Hamin. The explanation is, the Gemara is asking, where do you see that there's a precedent that Haman is allowed to make a decree for eating not kosher, for eating something that's asud? Where do we see that? And the Torah is coming to say, Hamin ha'etz. The death penalty that man is still suffering today is because Adam ate something that wasn't kosher. The etz adat, he wasn't allowed to eat it. So you see, there is a precedent when you eat things that are forbidden, it can lead shalom to the most severe punishments, at least in Hashemayim on earth. They can only punish him according to the Beit Din's ruling. But you see, there's a precedent for Haman, Menat Torah is Menahes. Therefore, just underscores to us the importance of how much we have to be careful on the food that goes into our mouth. As a matter of fact, uh, the Gemara can tolerate the Hachamim of the Mishnah can make mistakes sometimes. However, the Gemara cannot accept that they will ever make a mistake when it comes to eating not kosher, because that's such a severe sin. The Gemara says they can come to Hilul Shabbat faster than they'll come to eating not kosher. The Gemara can never accept that a Tana would ever eat something that is compromised. And the reason being is because it's one of the most severe sins in the sense you can't get rid of it. Because Arambam writes, and we know what they say in America, you are what you eat. And therefore now the food becomes part of you. So now if you want to make the Shuvah, how do you make the Shuvah? It's, it's part of your body. So it's a very hard averat to extract. And once already it's done, all the other averot, they're removed from the person. So therefore a person is able to just get rid of it much easier. But here it's actually part of his body and it dulls his judgment and his understanding of Torah. The famous letter that Harambam wrote uh, when they sent him and they said that a certain community was uh, having problems uh, philosophically and they were questioning God and things like that. And Harambam said, check the butcher. And he understood that. And that might not have been what they were reading, but it probably was what they were eating. And as a result, uh, if they were eating things that are not kosher, it probably was causing their uh, brains to think uh, not Jewish. So you see, the food definitely has an impact on the way you think. And therefore, again, this halakha is reminding us of the post, especially when it comes to the meat. One has to be very careful that he's using and eating from the right butchers in the right places.